You're listening to the Seek, Go, Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. And here's your host, Tim Winders. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Seek, Go, Create podcast. I'm your host, Tim Winders, and this is going to be a very interesting episode that we have today. This is one where I will go back and tell the story of how our family became homeless and bankrupt. Let me just go ahead and say this is going to be a difficult story for me to tell. This is season one, episode one, and I just felt as if this was a story that needed to be shared before we got too far down the journey. I will attempt to tell it in a very matter-of-fact way without embellishing or making it sound more or less dramatic than it really was, because in many ways, I believe the facts here, or at least my perspective of the facts, is enough to make this compelling for many people, especially business people, entrepreneurs, people that have been through challenges, or people that know people that have been through these type challenges. Before I begin this story, I guess I need to share a little bit of where I am today, Our two children are grown, and they're both doing well, pursuing success in in whatever way they've defined success, and we'll share more about that later. My wife and I are now married, have been married for over 30 years. We have a joyful, peaceful life, and I'll be talking more about that later. We currently actually live in an RV full-time, and we move around in it. We enjoy our travels. We do our work and our business as we travel. We're not vacationing. We're not just retired. We are working as we travel and we live in an RV. We have some money in the bank and we live live a simple and kind of low overhead life. Plus, we're about to be first-time grandparents, which we're learning is a game changer. We're very excited about it. So that's where we are now. And the reason I say that, the reason I mention kind of where we are now is because I think that parts of this story is going to become fairly grim, and many of you may be wondering how it's going to have a happy ending, and it may not be a totally happy ending. I don't think happy endings are necessarily what we have to see in all stories, but but that's really where we are. I do want to say all of that first because I share this portion of our journey. You may begin thinking that it cannot end well, and you may be right. I'm going to go back and start this story in 2000, and let me just kind of refresh some people's memories, or you may even be younger and not recall where things were at that time. Late 90s, early 2000s were a pretty phenomenal time for business. The internet was just taking hold. There was a lot of exciting things going on as far as business goes, and it was heating up, and now we know that The 2000s really were part of a bubble that burst and caused a lot of issues for a lot of people. Some of the business principles weren't sound. There were just a lot of things happening there that were challenging. I was actually consulting, doing some training, and doing some business leadership coaching at the time in the late 90s into the 2000s. I enjoyed that thoroughly. That's probably the thing that I enjoy the most is doing some coaching, training, and, uh, and working with organizations in that capacity. But... Let me just say there were some very, very interesting stories that that we were were seeing occur. 
Uh, I'll give you one example of a company that had raised quite a bit of money, let's just say in the tens of millions of dollars. And when myself and a business partner at the time were called in to help them with some leadership and strategic planning, we walked out of that meeting and we looked at each other and we were amazed that this company had raised the amount of money they had and that we were being asked to help them with strategy because we didn't really see much of a business model there. That was what was going on in 2000. The bubble burst, as we all know, and it did have an impact. It had an impact on our business and it caused a downturn in our personal finances. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a, a terrible downturn, but it caused a strain and many others felt that strain during those times also. The thing that I started doing after that though, is that I started looking at other ways of developing wealth, creating income, providing for my family, things that were important to, to me at the time. And I know they're important to many of you listening. I wanted to try to do something so that it, that wouldn't happen again. So it was with that that I began looking at investing in and building a real estate company. Now, I wasn't totally new to real estate. I'll go over more of my background and all in future podcasts, but back in the early 80s, I was at Georgia Tech. My father and I had listened to, or gone to actually, a real estate seminar together. My father was interested in doing real estate. I went with him, and he started buying some rental properties. Later, a family member, my sister, bought some real rental properties, and so we had some real estate background within our family. They each kind of held some rental properties. And so we started discussing what it might look like to be more aggressive. This was around 2000, late 2000, early 2002 that we began doing that. And so we started being extremely aggressive in the real estate business. And the economy was beginning to rebound from the dot-com burst from things that occurred during 9-11 and the challenges that occurred there. And so we made the decision that we were going to aggressively pursue building, building a real estate business, a real estate company. So we partnered, put some things together, and we started, I mean, this is just kind of my mindset. I'm, I'm a growth mindset, mindset person. And being an industrial engineer from Georgia Tech, which I'll talk more about in future episodes, and you'll see that has a lot to do with my questioning and coaching and things like that. But I wanted to put systems in place so that we can build and build quickly and build big. At, at the zenith or at the peak of that real estate business, 2002, 3, 4, we were acquiring three to five single family homes each and every month. And so we were accumulating, uh, flipping, accumulating, holding, accumulating, putting them in a lease option portfolio. We were doing multiple things. I'm not really here to talk a lot about the real estate business. We may do that in the future. But let's just say we had a company that was doing very well. We were growing fast and we were putting in the systems and processes to keep growing fast and to build something and to build it big and hopefully build it to last. That was the thought process at the time. And something interesting started along the way. I'll tell this brief story, but anytime you build something like that, people are going to start coming up to you and questioning you because they want to know how they can do it too, especially something like real estate. You know, real estate is, a, you know, it's a bit of a, 
I don't know, a drug in the money-making industry. People will always talk about ways of making money. For many years, it's been make money with the internet or doing something on the internet. People have talked about making money with multi-level marketing businesses, which I have some background in also. And real estate is always one that you hear when people talk about getting wealthy, making money, real estate always comes into play. So if people know that you're doing some things in real estate and they see your signs, they see your company growing, they they know that you're doing well, then they're going to start asking you questions about it, about it. And we were no different. We started getting a lot of questions about how we do real estate and things like that. And this is a bit of a humorous story, but I'll just tell you kind of how our, our coaching business came about because not only did we have a capital business that we were investing in in real estate and growing that, but we also started a coaching business and then later a lead generation business. The coaching business just started simply by people kept coming up to me asking, hey, can you tell me how you're doing real estate? I want to learn it. And me being someone who loves training, who loves coaching, I kind of have a heart to share what I do with other people. I would say, sure. And we would go out to lunch and, uh, you know, many times it was around church or something like that. We would go out to lunch and I would just pour out and say, this is what you need to do. And this is how we did it. And here's some ways you can get started. And it was funny, the bill would come and, you know, we'd all do the stare at the bill and I would end up getting the bill instead of the person that I was sharing this information, which with that's, that's always an interesting dynamic there. And then uh, finally, after doing that multiple times and seeing that people really weren't doing anything with the information I was sharing, someone would come up and ask me, say, hey, can you tell me how to, how to get started and do real estate like you're doing? I would say, sure. And my first comment is, it's going to be $5,000 up front. We'll do two or three deals together. And then at the end of those three deals, I'll give you your $5,000 back. So that's really simply how a coaching business was born because the person said, okay, that sounds good to me. And so we started doing coaching. And that, that company grew very large and very big. And, and I'll talk more about that in just a second. Lead generation business started on top of our real estate business because we were heavily advertising to buy properties, to sell properties. And what we realized was that one of our big expense items was marketing. And many people avoid marketing when they talk about business and things like that. We, we, we spend a lot on marketing and we spend a lot on building, building that type of our, or that we spend a lot on marketing. We built and we spend a lot of money investing in ways of generating leads for both buying and selling our real estate. And so what we started doing was, is we realized we were getting a lot of leads to acquire properties that were not in the specific geographic areas that we wanted to do business in. So we started selling those leads and then we started selling the territories that those leads were in and the zip codes. And long story short, that ended up becoming a lead generation business that grew to a nationwide business. So we basically had structured businesses that were growing they were going fast. They were going fast as the economy was heating up. We knew that some of the economy heating up was, I guess, fabricated. I don't even know if that's the right term. It was, it was being fed by interest rates. It was being fed by people being able to get loans that possibly shouldn't get loans. Many of you that are listening to this have probably seen the movie Big Short. It does the best job of explaining all that was going on behind the scenes at that time. 
I would like to say that I understood all that then. I did not. But in now looking back, I can see what was happening in our business. So anyway, but we had created a business for coaching, for lead generation, for acquiring and holding and flipping real estate that was going very well. So here's what I did personally during that time. And there's some learning, learning tips along the way here. Instead of maintaining a simple lifestyle, which is what I should have done since I've been through, had been through a downturn before, I began increasing my lifestyle. I am not recommending this. In fact, this is a big no-no. This is a big learning point. And what we ended up doing at the time is that we not only decided that we needed to move, but we decided we wanted to move out of the Atlanta area, which is where we were building our companies at the time. They were based in a suburb of Atlanta, which is where we did most of our real estate acquisitions. But we decided as a family, my, my immediate family, my wife and my two children, that we were going to move halfway between Atlanta and Augusta to a resort community that uh, it's Reynolds Plantation is where it is. Some of you may be aware of it. If you're a golfer, it uh, is one of the premier golf communities, really probably in the world in, in many aspects. 117 holes of golf. There's a Ritz-Carlton there. It was a nice place for us. And truthfully, we were stretching ourselves, but we felt that we had deserved it. We had earned it. And um, many of you can probably see where this story is going just by me saying that. So we began stretching our lifestyle. We moved into what was probably about a five, 6,000 square foot home. And uh, we did it creatively. We bought it in a creative way, but we eventually put a mortgage on that home. And we were living there and we were loving the good life. The companies continued growing. And at the peak, at the peak, 07, 08, we saw that our companies, they were valued at over 15 million in equity, or at least that's the real estate portion. We had, we were holding over 15 million in equity. We were holding right at 100 single family homes or pieces of property at the time. We had right at a seven figure coaching and training business and the lead generation business, which was separate, was nationwide. And probably if we had valued it at the time, it would have been close to a seven figure valued, uh, valued business also. And, uh, and, you know, during that time, we saw a lot of clues that the economy was in trouble. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the big short movie is something that gave, gave indicators there. I had moved primarily into running the coaching business. We had other, part, other partners and people that were, that were running the real estate portion. I was still involved with acquisitions, with raising private money and things like that. But I was primarily running the coaching part, portion of the business. And we also had partners in that business also. We knew that the economy was in trouble. We had clues. We knew it was there. We thought we had positioned ourselves to be diversified but we didn't. Let me share with you some clues that we had so that you can understand what we saw. We had students nationwide coaching and teaching and training them how to be real estate investors themselves. We had students, many students in the Florida markets that were seeing 20-25% growth year over year with real estate valuations. That, that is unheard of. I mean, it's not unheard of. It's just not sustainable. We only had to look at history 
to remind ourselves how challenging that was. Yes, we were telling people at the time, and many people were, were stating that real estate has never had a year that has gone backwards in history, but we also had never had years that were growing at 15, 20, 25% year over year over year. I'm reminded of a story of a student from Las Vegas. They called, and the numbers may not be exact on this. I've told this story a few times, but they called on one of our coaching calls, and they said something to the effect of, Tim, I have a house that just came on the market that we're interested in buying, and the price on it is $225,000, something like that. And they made the statement to me that it's just hit the market in the last few days, there have been offers at 230, 235, and 240. And their question to me as their coach was, should we offer 245? And I remember thinking to myself, I just took a deep breath and I paused. And in my mind, I was thinking, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Something is about to bust and we've got our hands in this. I've got a coaching client that's right here on the other line. And I just basically ask questions that I always ask, which, what do you think the property is worth? And there was a, there was a pause on their end of the line. And they told me, we have no idea. And, and in all honesty, they were probably correct. They, we, none of us had any idea what that property was worth at that time. Therefore, it made it almost impossible to acquire it, to put it on the market, to list it. We, we had no idea things were going at such a rate. Bottom line is we knew a crash was coming. It was obvious. We began setting some things aside. We began trying to position and, and see what was going on, but it was coming. And as we all know, in 2007, 2008, we had the, the, the massive crash that was a debt crash, banks crashed, many institutions were, uh, you know, leveraged and multiple leveraged, and we had some leverage, we had private investors. Basically, there were many of us that were in trouble just because of the way we were structured. And were we fooling ourselves? Did we think we were immune to it? No, I, in looking back, I don't think that was the case. We just thought that it wouldn't happen to us. We thought that the downturn would be probably shorter than it actually was. And I'll just be up front. I actually thought we would have a big crash, but I thought it would be like ripping a Band-Aid off. I really believed that the government would allow banks and other institutions to crash Many of us and many of them, they would pick up the pieces and we would move on. You know, we can now look back and know that most of those situations were really not fixed. They weren't corrected. They still exist. I'm not trying to state that as a doom and gloom. I'm just saying that it was really just a prolonging of something that we will eventually have to address. That is not the purpose for this podcast episode. It's really to tell our personal story. But anyway, many of those things were still in place. So what we did was, is we started losing coaching clients. We started having challenges with our properties. We obviously started losing people in the lead gen business because as things got worse and worse, people weren't going to pay for coaching. 
we were starting to see the adjustments on our properties. We started, of course, seeing people that were living together, which meant rents were, which meant rents were going down, valuations were challenging. Really, just like the whole debt wheels of the country were coming to a halt, we noticed that many of that was feeding our business also without us even knowing it. And so the wheels of our business was slowing down also. And we were just not positioned well for it to slow down. I could look back on it and know that we weren't positioned well. The farther in debt we kept going, we kept saying that we needed to keep putting money in to fuel this. And, and of course, in many, any, any time that you begin throwing debt at a business that is sinking, that's a formula that's not, not good. That's what we were doing. We started realizing that we had partner challenges just in philosophies. Listen, when, when things are going down, I don't fault any of my partners. Listen, I was in partnership with families, family members. We had friction during that time. I was in partnership with some other good people that we had decided to get in business together in coaching. And many of us during those times, all we could really do was try to survive on our own try to get money for our families. I think many of you listening to this might relate if you lived through those times. I just know that I was having to try to make ends meet on my side of the my side of the equation and they were doing the same. So what we made decisions during that time was we would start splitting up partnerships. We would start splitting up the coaching businesses and make them smaller in scale so that we could attempt to survive. You know, I made a split with uh, a family member, my sister. It was very painful. It was challenging. It was difficult. I know it created hardships for them and friction in the relationship. It did the same for us. And that's not a good thing. That could be something I might talk more about in a later episode because it made it very difficult, very difficult for the family. I will say this, though. The thing that was very challenging was how slow we started changing our lifestyle. Debt started piling up. And I know everyone's situation is bad in their own eyes. But, you know, one of my primary, I guess my primary uh, proverbs or truths in business and life is, thou shalt not fool thyself. Well, let me just say in looking back on it, I was fooling myself. I thought that maybe I was different than other people, that I could turn things around, that with my own power, my might, I could just grind it out. And I just got to a situation where I did not know what to do. I'll be upfront with you. And there's that's difficult for me to admit. My personality does not like to admit that. I'm an entrepreneur, a business person. Spiritually, I like to think I, you know, have an understanding of things from that standpoint. I, I did not know what to do. So we were slow to change our lifestyle. Debt started piling up. We were paying things on credit cards, paying house payments and bills and for business, you know, tools to keep going just in hopes that they would turn around. And that is not a good formula. Our income went down to nothing. I was not really sure what to tell coaching clients. It was so difficult to continue on. I just have an integrity issue with keeping on telling people to invest in real estate to be successful 
when I looked at my bottom line and I knew that I was not able to do that with myself. Yes, there were opportunities to buy real estate during those times. I was just not positioned to do it. And it was very difficult for me to teach or coach or show other people how to do it also. So basically, I mean, I could go through a lot more of this story, but we just got to the place where all business items were being shut down and we had no income coming in. I was thankful during that time that I did have some family and parents that were helpful because I thought many of this would be temporary. I mean, listen, I had I had to go to parents to help with some house payments. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have car payments and other things then. I was just attempting to survive and stay in, my, stay in my home during that time, thinking that some of the things I was trying to work on or the economy would turn or something may happen. Anyway, we just kept adding debt and debt and debt, trying to live another day. Um, I even, this is, I don't even know if this is a humorous story or sad or what, we lived in a gated community, one of the nicest, like I said earlier, golf retirement areas in, 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 in really the country, probably. It was a small town, and just outside our gates, there was a McDonald's there. And I remember thinking to myself, possibly I should just flip some burgers to bring in some money because I really felt so helpless and did not know anything else to do. I mean, it was just bad situation to be in. So I decided that I was going to apply for a job at the McDonald's, which was a fairly humbling experience, but it's just something that I felt I probably should try to do. And so I went to the McDonald's like kind of an old school person would do, asked for the manager and said, listen, I would like to apply for a job. And the person behind the counter, which was probably half my age, I was in my mid to late 40s at the time, late 40s, I guess. Um, the person behind the counter looked at me like, what? And, uh, and then they kind of checked with someone, came back and said, oh, all our job applications are online. So I said, okay, I'll just go home and get on the internet and apply for a job at McDonald's. Well, th this, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, I went, went home, got online, and made multiple efforts to apply for a job at McDonald's. And every time I pushed send, it did not go through. Something didn't, didn't go through with their system. Internet went down. I don't know. So I, I even tell myself I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. Or even worse, I couldn't even get an application in to McDonald's and I kind of chuckle at that. Obviously it was very sad and and listen, it, it really is with great humility that I tell this story because my attitude, my mindset would typically be that I was probably very shamed by even having to do that. And I know many people have gone through that. And, you know, I guess one thing I just want to say here is don't feel any shame, don't feel any condemnation because there are just times that those time type things happen, and that's really where I felt that I was. So anyway, to continue on with the story, we we were behind in house payments, behind in everything, not able to pay anything. Obviously, creditors, debtors, people started coming after us for company 
debt for um, for our mortgage and many other things. And I won't go through all the details of this here. I don't have any problem talking about it, but we basically in 2011 filed for bankruptcy. And the sole reason for doing it was to attempt to stall a foreclosure because in my mind, I thought that if I could stall the foreclosure that I could eventually get back on my feet with business and that we would eventually make some money so that we can pay all this back and get out of the mess that I felt I had created. Obviously, some of it was circumstances, but anyway, I felt that burden on myself. Anyway, bankruptcy, I know many of you are going to judge when you hear that word. I hate it that we had to use that process. Many of you listening to this have possibly been through it. It, it is a challenging, ugly process to go through, and I don't wish it on anyone, but I will say this, one of the low points of my life would be having to go into the court with my wife, sitting there waiting for the bankruptcy proceedings, having to sit before the judge and a clerk and basically answer some of the questions that they ask. Um, anyway, not, not good, not edifying. It is shameful. It is disgraceful. I hate it that we had to go through it, but that is our story. And what I'm attempting to do with this podcast, this episode, is to just share more of of what we did. We filed for bankruptcy. It did stall the foreclosure. Unfortunately, it stalled the inevitable. And as I said earlier in this podcast, you probably know that a foreclosure is what occurred. I do kind of want to shift just a little bit here and talk about the what would be a spiritual side to this story and the family side to this story that will be addressed later. In fact, I believe within season one, there's going to be specific podcast that I'm going to use to talk about just my relationship with God and what went on during this entire process. And I also want to share as a husband and a father and as a family kind of how this impacted us because it's very interesting what I believe I learned from it. It is, once again, as I've said before, something that I really do not wish on anyone, but I am thankful that this process allowed me to to see that side of possibly me as a, as a father and a husband, and then also myself as a believer and a believer in God, and, and as what many would call a Christian or a follower of Christ, what that did. And we will, do, we will address that and talk about that more in future episodes. But I just wanted to mention here that that's an important part of this story that I, I'm not going to be addressing in this episode. Fast forward a little bit, and I will say this, 2010, 11, 12, 13 were probably some of the most gut-wrenching, painful, stomach-in-knots times that I hope that I could ever remember. In 2013, we had been living in the home um, for probably a few months, knowing that that foreclosure process, the bankruptcy 
had stalled it, but, but then as it came out of bankruptcy, we were then moving towards foreclosure because we still were not making payments. I did have quite a knowledge of the legal aspects of real estate. In all likelihood, I, have, I could have continued playing some legal games to stall it to continue staying in the property. It's almost as if, though, in early 2013, into the spring of that year, we just kind of gave up because we were not seeing a way out of the situation we were in financially. It just was not going to be anything quick. I won't say that we gave up hope because we did still have hope, but I will say that we didn't see a near-term resolution to our financial situation. It was very difficult for us to see that. And so we just made the decision that we were going to begin preparing for a time that we may not be living in this home, and some would call it homeless. We did not like to utter that word, but many would call it homeless. And so we began paring back and getting rid of furniture and our stuff and the items that were in our, you know, large home at the time. And we had children that were teenagers, one, you know, that had started college, one that was late teenager that I'll talk more about in future podcasts, what they went through during this time. But anyway, we started giving away things, selling things, removing them, trying to prepare for a time when we either had to move out or someone was going to come and knock on the door and tell us that we had to leave. Anyway, during this time, our children were gone and, again, finishing up school. And I'll tell more of that story later in other podcasts. But they came back to the house briefly in the summer of 2013. Our daughter had gone overseas to be a nanny au pair. Our son was going to pack his stuff and just move to L.A. when he was just finishing up high school at that time. We put a few items in a storage unit. We loaded up our 2002 Honda van that we did own outright, thankfully, and it had probably close to 300,000 miles on it at the time. It was the only vehicle that we owned, and we put some clothes in it, some other items that we thought we may need, and we just left the home. This was shortly after we knew the process was finished up and where the sheriff had come to our door and served an eviction notice after the foreclosure, and then the company that bought it on the courthouse steps was moving to evict us. And since that time, again, there's more to this story that I can share. I'm trying to keep this somewhat succinct. We have essentially been traveling ever since, even though now we have the financial resources to live almost anywhere we would want to live. We we have truly truly been blessed financially. There's just a lot of things that have gone on that I can share later, but that is that is the story that has brought us to where we are and where we are now. And again, very challenging, very difficult, but I just wanted to share all this so that it can, I guess, put some things in perspective. As I've talked about in the preview to this podcast, Life is all about a journey, and I don't think that you can understand people. I'm not even sure you can hear people speak and teach on topics unless you understand a little bit more about where they have come from. 
I do think also in the world we're in, in the divided, divisive world that we're in, many times it just helps to understand more of where people are and where they've come from. So anyway, I, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that it will at least shed some light on my journey. I hope that it may shed some light on your journey. And if this touches you in any way, or you know someone that it may touch, I do ask that you just share it with them. Uh, obviously, we're going to be getting into more business topics and some topics that will be related to ministry, leadership, and things like that in future episodes. Also, just kind of a preview to come in future episodes, we're going to share the story about how we went through our downsizing, went, went into a minimalist or essentialist uh, lifestyle. I'm going to talk about family issues related to the things I've just discussed, kind of how our faith played into it. And really, that's probably the bigger story here. And also how we traveled when we left as house sitters and now as we're traveling as RVers. And uh, I think I think that'll be helpful for many people to hear how we've been able to do that and kind of put some of the pieces together uh, for the rest of this story. So I do want to thank you for listening to this, and and I do want to say that I hope that this discussion, this sharing of this story will be helpful to you. I know the story is probably missing a lot of things. I wanted to give you the high points and maybe share some things that were going through my mind and things that we went through during this journey, and it definitely has been a journey, very challenging one, but one that has positioned us now where we're essentially traveling and we've been doing that ever since though now we don't necessarily do it with um, the financial challenges that we did it at one point and we are able essentially to live almost anywhere we would want to live at this time i will say this that future episodes will share our journey related to downsizing getting rid of all the things we got rid of in a five six thousand square foot home because i think that's going to be intriguing and interesting for some of you i think as a society, we might even begin thinking about that more and thinking about what our footprint is and how much stuff we really have. It really is, it really is liber liberating and creates a lot of freedom to not have as many things as we once had. And so we'll be discussing that in future podcast episodes. As I said earlier, we'll be discussing the issues that we related to with our family and myself specifically as a husband and a father and, and what that what that impacted all of those around me and and those type issues. Also, I, I really, I cannot tell this story without discussing the faith journey that we were on. In fact, that's the bigger story that I think that needs to be told. So we'll be sharing more about that. And also just some specific topics that I think are going to be kind of cool and enjoyable for you. We're going to discuss how since that time that we left in 2013, we did travel around as what we like to call nomads, and we house sat for for many, many, many months. And in fact, I think we did that for a few years, and we did that in Australia, New Zealand, all over the U.S., and that's going to be interesting to tell how we did that. That might be interesting for some of you. And then, of course, we'll tell the story of, of how we are now living full-time in an RV and and traveling and just going where we feel as if we're supposed to go for business, for personal reasons, and also just to nourish our soul. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it, and thank you for just letting me share this. If it has been a blessing to you, or been intriguing to you, or 
or if you think that it might be interesting to someone else, please, please share this. And I also ask that you rate this and, and help us with our ratings and our, our visibility with others. Thank you for listening. I look forward to talking to you on future episodes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seat Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. We are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.